It's condensation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, we have another installment of Winning the Job. This series is made up of interviewing people who have recently won an orchestral audition and asking them, what made you successful at this audition? This particular episode is going to be a little different, as you may have figured out from the title. Instead of featuring two different players, we are going to dedicate an entire episode to Chris Smith. As the episode goes on, I'm sure it will become apparent why I chose to do this. Chris recently won the principal trumpet position with the San Diego Symphony. It was great to have the opportunity to speak with him about his audition, but I had no idea the wealth of knowledge he was prepared to share with me. We began our conversation with me asking, what do you think made you so successful at this audition? Let's hear what he said. Yeah, um, well, a couple, a couple of things. Um, I, I don't think that it was necessarily the most normal of auditions in terms of um, I had been invited out to play with them um, and had played with them for several months. Uh, so my comfort level from behind the screen and then once the screen came down was um, significantly different than other auditions that I've taken. Right. Um, so I felt like I already kind of knew, well, not kind of, I, I knew um, what I was going to do in that hall. I knew um, what, what I felt was working and what I, the feedback that I'd gotten from uh, the colleagues, you know, like I, I, my comfort level was, was greater. Sure. So there's that aspect rather than going, you know, blindly to a, another audition and, they don't know me. I'm just a number, you know, um, and, you know, basically just going, this is what I have to offer. I have no idea if this is going to work here for you guys, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, yeah, versus familiar. going in and feeling like this is, yeah, like, like, okay, I, I know that these guys, uh, the men and women, they're like, like what I do. They've told me as much, right? <laughs> um, I still have to produce. I mean, you know, nobody handed me a job. Um, so, but producing on that level of like, right, I'm, this is what works. I understand this. Now I just have to do it. That right. was, you know, for me, that, that was certainly in this specific instance, you know, that worked very well in terms of just being comfortable. For those that don't know, Chris is a seasoned audition taker. He's taken a lot of auditions, and he's done very well at a lot of auditions. So I asked him, do you have a system for how you prepare for your auditions? Yeah, I mean, generally, I think that we have to be honest with ourselves uh, as trumpet players of, like, what do I do well, and what do I know that I maybe don't do well, you know? Um, for me, personally, it's like, I know that I play, like, an offstage of Pines of Rome very well. Um, I know that I, all the lyrical stuff, like, I don't, I don't worry about that. I rarely practice like a post horn, uh, Mahler, Mahler three post horn. Right. Um, I rarely need to practice, uh, soft solo and Mahler five. Uh, that's not something that's like on my radar, generally speaking. Um, but something like, uh, first movement of Pines of Rome is certainly something that I will be playing every day. Um, you know, sort of like speed things where it's like it's easy to get tongue-tied or it's easy to get sort of like finger-tied a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, so leading into an audition, I, I hate to put it like this, but it, it's generally just a math equation that um, if I say, when do I want to peak? So that like in, in terms of like what, where do I want to actually start running rounds before an audition? So maybe it's two weeks beforehand. So that means that, like, we're done with the tempo work two weeks beforehand, that, like, everything is up to speed. I should be ready to take this audition two weeks before I actually take the audition. So working backwards from that, I go, okay, well, let's say I've got, like, 30 days um, working backwards from that. I'll just put the metronome 30 ticks slower. Huh. And that math equation works out that, like, 
in 30 days from now, I will be at tempo for, okay, I like to play uh, Heinz Jerome at like right around 90, right? 90 ticks a minute. So we're going to take 36 off of that. Day one of the prep is like, I just play through it at 60 and move on. And the next day I played at 61, <laughs> you know? And so like trusting we'll get there. Like it's going to happen. We are going to get up to 90 and, and always practicing in a range starting off where it's like, I'm never frustrated. I'm always nailing it at the slow tempo. I mentioned here that not only do you learn the excerpts really well when you play them slowly, but an added benefit is that you also end up having a great mental relationship with that excerpt as well because you've played it well so many times. Right. I mean, you know, uh, something like that, something, let's say even not like a Petrushka, um, which I don't find Petrushka to be that difficult for me, but I will just sort of like take some of the faster excerpts and just slow them down. Let's just say 30 ticks that I have a, a, a full month to work on um, excerpts. Um, so, you know, it's like the first, once I'm through with a warm up and everything, the very first, um, I, I practice in, in segments. So like eight minute segments. And um, so like, the first few eight-minute segments will be, okay, let's say uh, uh, Petrushka at what's 116 minus 30, um, you know. I think it's 86. Ravel Piano Concerto. There you go. So start at 86. <laughs> okay. And what's a Ravel Piano Concerto? Same thing, right? Like 116 minus 30. So, so the very first day is like I'm going to play through Ravel Piano Concerto a couple of times at 86, you know. And – same thing with like a Scheherazade, you know, um, I generally shoot for, I think like, uh, I'm going to say like 95 or something, um, in the fourth movement. Um, so I'm starting at 65. Yeah. Yeah. You know, beats a minute. Where it's almost um, so, so that, that you can't recognize what the excerpt right. is, you know, you know it's yeah. like, I, I am just, and especially like in a Ravel piano concerto where like I've kind of do some odd tonguing things, um, adding some triple tongues in where like that um, you want, you might not think to do that there. <laughs> um, so like just really getting the tempo locked in at a very slow tempo and learning it that way. And, and like I said, you know, um, always having faith that like, well, this is easy, you know, and that like the body doesn't recognize the difference between 60 and 61, you know, right. um, the body doesn't recognize the difference between 86 and 87. Um, it will recognize the difference between 86 and 116, you know, right. but like on the daily, just like it is going to get there in 30 days from now, we will be at 116, you know, and hopefully it's going to feel trusting <laughs> that it's going to feel the same way um, a month later as it did on day one. At this point, I asked Chris if he plays it slurred when he slows it down, or does he slow it down but play the excerpt the way that it's printed? I don't do anything other than, like, what is required. Um, I, I've, I've never been a fan of changing articulations or whatever. Um, I think that if a list is well put together, um, I think that it's touching on all of the different aspects of, of trumpet playing. You know, and, and coupling that with, you know, playing a full-time job, <laughs> um, sure. you know, it's like, it, it's like, I don't need to do more trumpet playing than what's required of me. Um, you know, uh, as you know, you know, working on an audition while having a full-time job is, is an undertaking, you know. Um, but to your point of, do I practice it differently than what's on the page? No, because I don't, I would never play it like that. Sure. Ever. So I don't see... For me personally, I just want to stick to what's required. I have other things that I'll do for slurring or for tonguing, you know, whatever. Um, right here, because the interview was over the phone, we kind of talked over each other a little bit and the words got pretty muddied. But Chris was just saying, my goal is to, right before the clip picks back up here. Is to play it right, is to play it correctly every time at any tempo. You know, if there's a problem, meaning a finger problem or a tonguing issue or a slurring issue, it that should be eliminated 30 ticks slower. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I mean, you know, there's nothing that we're playing on the trumpet in an audition that should really be that difficult. It happens to be, like, trickier things in the realm of, like, orchestral trumpet playing. But in terms of, like, actual trumpet playing, 
I don't find the excerpts to be that hard. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, I actually completely agree. Other, you know, like like there are etudes. Uh, you, I think maybe you. I saw you play a Biche etude um, right. recently. That's way more difficult than the first movement of a Pines of Rome or um, or a Petrushka or a Ravel piano. It's anything that like trumpet players kind of get caught up on. Right. 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 It's like. Yeah, those etudes are way more difficult, you know. So I just try to keep it as easy as possible. I'm not trying to add difficulty to to these at all. I'll I'll add my difficulty in trumpet playing and other things in etudes and solos or you know whatever else. So here I asked Chris if he feels like he would practice the excerpts differently if he didn't feel he played the trumpet as well as he does right now. I was trying to dig into the previous question a little bit more and to see if he would recommend more slow and slurred practice to players who weren't as advanced as he was in order to build a good foundation. So my viewpoint on the excerpts or taking an audition is that it's an evaluation of one's complete trumpet playing. So if my air is not moving correctly on a Petrushka, Guaranteed, my air is not moving correctly on anything else. So that's a, that's a gaping hole, right? Like you don't play something well and then completely fall apart on the next excerpt. Right. If, if that's happening, if that is happening, then there's something else going on here that playing Petrushka completely slurred or doing this other thing completely tongued or whatever. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to put excerpts into a separate file. Right, that it's something different than like just playing the trumpet. At this point, I made the statement that it sounds like Chris's plan is to work on fundamental issues on the trumpet away from the excerpts, trusting that the work he does on that material will make the excerpts better. Absolutely. The, the excerpts are just a vehicle to showcase what someone is, for better or worse, capable of doing on the trumpet. So... Not being, let's, we'll just use Petrushka as an example. Not being able to play Petrushka because of an airflow issue or whatever. I mean, to me, that just goes, the, the person's not playing the trumpet well. It doesn't mean that they're playing, it, also, they're playing Petrushka not well, <laughs> but it's a problem with the trumpet playing, not, oh, this excerpt is tricky or something. To me, it's, it's, they're linked, but that's it. You know, it's just notes. It's, it's, what if, what if Petrushka were a whole etude? You know, um, the excerpts are just vehicles. Next, I was curious what percentage of his time was dedicated towards fundamentals and what percentage of his practice time was dedicated towards working on the excerpts. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. You know, I, I, I'm happy to talk about my daily routine, um, but I think that when, as we said before, if I'm taking these excerpts and slowing them down, particularly the, the fast ones, right, then it's not just about learning the excerpt, like, right? Like, I don't need to learn how Petrushka goes, <laughs> right? You don't need to learn how Petrushka. No, no professional needs to learn how this goes. Um, the idea is to work on that fundamental slowly, the fundamentals of that particular excerpt of trumpet playing slowly and work it up over time let's say one month, 30 days or whatever. So that everything is rising at the same time. The technical abilities on the trumpet via these excerpts, right? Yeah. So that when the audition comes around, not only are the excerpts sounding great, but the trumpet playing in general has gone up exponentially over the last 30 days. That um, if something else came down the pike of, uh, of fast, tonguing thing or a fast slurring thing, I should be able to do it because my trumpet playing has gone up. Like, like the, the medium of my trumpet playing has gone up because I've worked on these excerpts with the idea of working on trumpet playing and the excerpt at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. Does that make sense? But I'm not yeah. trying to like put Petrushka into its own little category. It's like, no, Petrushka is uh, short tonguing, it's uh, slurring, it's, you know, uh, legato, it's, you know, it's a number of different things happening at once. I don't know anybody that can play, that can play Petrushka really, really well and then fold on something else that's like kind of similar to Petrushka. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, let's say, 
somebody can play Patricia really well, but like can't play a Charlier one. <laughs> right. You know, it's like yeah. they're the same thing. You know, like they're kind of the same thing. I briefly said that I liked the way he spoke about the excerpts being a vehicle for our playing. If we were able to focus on being a great trumpet player, the excerpts should reflect that. Right. That's all it is. That's my view of, of an audition. It's it's an evaluation. Um, and I told, I told somebody recently, I said, no audition panel wants to feel like they've hired somebody that had their best day ever because that's not the goal. The goal is to find this is this is this person's sort of like like medium, <laughs> you know, like like we think this person actually probably has a lot more in the tank. You know, nobody's nobody's trying to hire somebody that, that like that was sure people will have unbelievable uh, uh, rounds, you know, and play well. But my viewpoint is you're hiring somebody that they sound like this all the time. You're giving the impression that you sound like this all the time. You know, right. that this isn't necessarily anything special, you know, um, and I think that audition committees can sort that out. You know, if they know what they're looking for and asking for the right excerpts and everything, they're going to sort out. Is this person play the trumpet well in general, that this person isn't having just like the best day of their life right now? <laughs> you know, that, that we're hiring somebody that like they sound like this all the time, like they sound great. Next, I asked him how he felt that he played at his audition. My semifinal round behind the screen in San Diego, I think, was a very uh, middle middle plus round. I think I, I think I asked to replay a Petrushka because I just kind of I, I think I maybe took a tempo a little bit too slow, you know. And, and so I was like, you know what? Uh, and I asked to play it again. Played it again, and it was fine. So I felt like I walked off stage going, "That's." That's how all that stuff goes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I represented myself well. I stand by all of it, including like, oh, you know what? I kind of wasn't with it the first go round. It's okay. Mistakes are allowed to happen, you know. Um, my final round uh, was a very, very good final round. Uh, I'll be honest and say that I think it was quite possibly the best uh, final round that I've ever played. Um, but in terms of like my own trumpet playing, it's just what I do. For instance, uh, they asked for uh, a couple of Alpine symphony ex- uh, excerpts, right? I don't have a problem playing high Ds, you know, that's, that's not my issue on the trumpet, <laughs> you know? So um, that's great. All of those went exceedingly well. You know, they play, they asked for some Heldenleben excerpts. All of those went well. My point being that, like, the audition, the, the, the round itself went very well. At the same time, I walked off stage going, this is just what I do. Like, like this confirms to me that, like, if I am able to just go in and play how I know that I can play, you know. And, and even, let's say, even if there were a couple of little tiny mistakes, right? Like, that doesn't preclude somebody from getting a job, you right. know. Is a, the audition panel is looking for somebody that shows up and plays not only how it's supposed to go, but demonstrates that they know how to play the instrument. They have control over the instrument. So I felt like I exhibited that. Uh, obviously, it worked out, you know, but I, for me personally, I walked off stage feeling like, yeah, that's the first time I played like a final round and felt like, yeah, this is what this is pretty much exactly what I do on a daily basis. I've often heard that people choose to ask to play an excerpt over again at an audition, but I've never really known when I should or shouldn't ask to do that. So I asked him how he decides when he's going to ask to play something over again. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to ask to play things again, um, particularly if I know, like, I can do it better, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's one little tiny note, um, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, if they want it perfect, they'll ask for me to do it again. And then I've got an idea of like, okay, these guys are just looking for, you know, some sort of perfection, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no problem asking to play a Petrushka or something again if it's like, yeah, you know, I kind of flub the the slurred thing in the middle or I know that I can do this better. You know, like it's it's not an issue for me. It doesn't bother me to ask a panel to play again, Um, assuming that I know that I can do it better. 
I asked Chris now, would he ever ask to play an excerpt a second time if he were on the fence about his ability to do it well the second time? Or does he only ask in times of complete confidence? I think that there are several ways to look at it. Where does it fall in in the list? You know, let's just say um, you're playing a post horn solo and miss the, the, the A at the end or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. well, if that's the very first excerpt, I'm probably going to ask to play it again. If it's the last excerpt on a 25-minute final round, um, maybe not. <laughs> I'm not asking to play that again. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like I'm probably going to be like, uh, let's just assume that they know that I'm a little bit tired. Um, I've exhibited 30 minutes of solid trumpet playing up to this point. They're just going to have to roll with it, and if they want it differently, they'll ask for it. But I'm not like I think you had said before. You have a general, like generally, pretty good idea of like how well you're playing in a round, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if things are going well and I and I screw something up uh, for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm ahead of the game. I can ask to play this again, you know? Sure. If I'm feeling like, you know what? This is a little tight. Uh, I'm, I'm getting all the right notes out in the right places. Maybe I'm not quite feeling it today for whatever reason. I don't know that I'm playing this again, you know? I mean, I'll, if they want it, go ahead. Ask for it. So yeah. it's just it's um, situational. You're not – there's no right or wrong. Yeah, but it, feeling. there is no – I don't think there's – I don't think there's right or wrong at all, you know? I think it's whatever makes you comfortable. So if you're like, hey, you know what? I don't normally make that mistake. I'm going to do that again because I've never made that mistake before. So let's let's just let's just give it another go. No yeah, yeah. I don't think that any any panel is is opposed to hearing better playing. Now asking to replay every excerpt that's not going to work. Sure, sure. Chris and I were talking for long enough that I thought after I asked him this next question, we were going to wrap things up. But as he was giving his answer, I just didn't think it would be wise to stop him at this point. It was clear he had a lot more to say, so I decided I would try to get everything I could from him, and then I would just give him his own episode. I asked him this question, do you try to add in new aspects of preparation for each audition, or do you just stick to what you like, do your thing, and however it works out is how it works out? Yeah, I I think that like, you know, 10 years ago, I certainly was of the mindset that if I didn't win the job or I didn't advance or something, they're like, oh, there's a problem, you know, and and I got to like start over and I got to rethink how I'm doing all these things. And basically it ended up being like a giant guessing game, you know, that I would go in and go, gosh, I hope that I prepared like how they, what they want to hear, you know, now, uh, I, I don't do that anymore. Um, I'm at a point in my career, uh, that I know my lane of trumpet playing. And I know that if I stay in my lane, I will play well. And um, I know what I want to sound like. I know what I want to do on each and every excerpt. Um, the main thing being, like, what do I want to sound like? What am I trying to present here to uh, the panel, right? Like, where's my comfort ability um, so that uh, I can play how I play? And so um, I am to a point now where I just go in, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know, I'm not looking to, like, reinvent the wheel on every audition. I'm not looking to do anything different other than just showing up and representing myself well and playing how I know that I can play. If it's not what they're looking for, that's okay. Yeah, right. But that took a lot of – that took a lot of – you know, I mean, that just comes with experience. You know, that comes with years of experience, (laughs) you know. Um, And sometimes those are hard lessons, you know. Um, But slowly – uh, some people figure it out faster. That's okay. But for me, figuring out slowly, like, look, this is the pocket. This is the lane that I play in that works well for me. I'm not trying to sound like anybody else. You know, it's like, this is just what I'm trying to do here. And when it works, it works. And um, if I start trying to do other things other than, like, where I'm comfortable playing, that's just a recipe for, like, I'm probably not going to play. I'm going to be uncomfortable because I'm doing something that I don't feel comfortable doing. Here I pointed out that it sounds like he's okay with both outcomes in an audition. And I asked him if he thought not being attached to the outcome might help him be even more free during the audition. Well, I think having, you know, having a backstop of already having a job, the financial backstop allows for 
experimentation, you know, allows for um, any number of things that like, I don't have to win the next job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that like, I, I'm financially secure, so I can, I can do some experimenting. So, you know, so I say this to people that will be listening that maybe don't have jobs yet, you know, that I come, I'm coming at this from a different point of view as, let's say, um, somebody that just graduated college or, you know, whatever. Um, if, if somebody is out there taking audition, maybe they're super secure in how they sound and what they're doing. Great. You know, like, like just go do that, but understand that like, if it's not working, you should seek extra help. Go play for other people. Go play for other professionals. You know, continue to, to learn and continue to solidify. This is what I do. Not everybody's going to be able to do what Phil Smith does, or not everybody's going to be able to sound like how uh, Mark Inouye or, or Chris Martin, you know, um, all these other people that, that we have recordings of. They're not, not everybody's going to be able to do that. So understanding, like, this is where I sound good. This is what works for me to sound good then hopefully we can go into an audition situation uh, comfortable, you know, with the understanding, like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is where I sound good. So the rest is, like, I don't have to worry about it. Right. You just do your thing. I'm not not involved in the guessing game anymore. I'm just going to do my thing, and because I know with a track record of, you know, 20 years of professional trumpet playing, that the track record is this is what works. This is what I know what works. Let's just do this. Here's the game plan do this. And if they don't like it, that's okay. You know, I have the luxury of going back to a job, right? (laughs) You know, other people don't necessarily have that luxury, but, um, understanding like on some, in some finding some sort of way to be comfortable in the audition, you know, um, because I think that that's what audition panels respond to is hearing somebody play and they go, yeah, that's, they sound comfortable. It's not about all the right notes. (laughs) You know, obviously you got to hit all the right notes, but like, it's not just about like this person didn't miss anything. Um, and it was perfect. Nobody's playing perfect auditions, but you know, we get told stories about it, but it's not true. You know, there are mistakes. People want to hear things differently, whatever, like nobody's playing perfectly, but the people that are winning jobs are playing comfortably. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. They're playing comfortably soft. They're playing comfortably loud. They're playing comfortably short. They're playing comfortably long. The the panel should be able to just sit back and go, yeah, that's how that goes. You know, this is what we're looking for. We're not looking for somebody to come in and play uncomfortably soft. You know, we're not looking for somebody to come in more times than not and play uncomfortably loud. Right. Yeah. Um, Uncomfortably slow or uncomfortably fast. You know, it's like the audition is, like I said, you just are presenting. This is an evaluation. Like, and the evaluation at the end is, are we comfortable with this? You know, that's what's going through my mind when I'm playing. Like, just play it normally. Just play it comfortably. If I'm comfortable, whether the screen is up or not, they're going to be comfortable. You know, there's very little as trumpet players, as brass players that we can do that if we're not comfortable, other things sneak into the playing, right? It's uh, whether it's air control or uh, dry mouth or, you know, taking odd tempos or, you know, not counting rests correctly. You know, any the, the mental things that happen when we're uncomfortable, something's going to show up, you know. Yeah. And if we're not comfortable, then the committee will sort that out. You know, they will hear, you know, this person really doesn't feel it. It's a great player having a bad day or whatever, but we're not comfortable. So that, in the end, is like paramount that we, as people taking auditions, uh, display the most amount of comfort that we can possibly display. On a previous phone call that wasn't recorded, I was talking to Chris and he told me that at a certain point in his career, he kind of just stopped doing well in auditions. He decided to look at it like professional athletes who have many coaches to help them be on top of their game. Since they have coaches, he thought he would start playing for people and having them coach him to help him be at the top of his own game. This is how he phrases it. 
you know, when I um, was leaving the Marine Band, I'd been a finalist in a few jobs. Um, won the gig in Montreal for the next year or two, um, you know, was, was a finalist uh, in a few places, won a, won a job in, uh, in Seattle. You know, things were going very well on the audition front. And um, for any number of reasons, um, it suddenly stopped. Suddenly stopped making finals. In some cases, I wasn't even advancing out of the first round. And um, so, you know, I've always had an incredibly long view of what I wanted to do on the trumpet um, in terms of jobs. Um, I remember when I was at Aspen, Ray Mace asked me once, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to, you know, maybe go get my feet wet and win a job, you know, in the Marine Band and then, you know, at some point in time down the road, like, I think I would like to win a job in an orchestra. And I remember him at the time saying, like, why don't you just go win the job in the orchestra? <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, in my mind, I had I had a map of, like, I, I'm going to stay in a comfort zone, you know. Um, I'm going to stay where I'm comfortable because even at a very young age, I understood, like, when I'm comfortable, I play well. And everybody should understand that. When they're comfortable, they play well, you know. Um, and then... And that map for me was like, uh, okay, and I've basically kind of followed that map. It's taken me a little bit longer than what I thought it was going to take. Um, but with the idea that, like, a very long-term goal, that there may be hiccups or missteps or whatever along the way, but that's okay. You know, very few people are going to win a job when they're 22 years old and, and go, I've made it, I'm done. You know, I hadn't reached goals. I hadn't reached, like, what I felt like I've played to my potential and so understanding that about myself and, um, you know, I called up Andrew McCandless, principal in, in Toronto. Uh, Montreal was going on tour there. And I said, I want to come play for you. Um, they had just had an audition and um, he had heard a bunch of fine players and they hired somebody. So I want to come play for you and um, show up at his place. And he's kind of like, I don't, you're a professional. Like, what am I supposed to say to you? You know? And I said, listen, explain to him the situation. I said, you've heard some great trumpet players. I'd like to just play for you, and you just tell me what you hear. It doesn't matter. If you hate it, just tell me you hate it. If you love it, tell me you love it. <laughs> you know? He's like, yeah. okay, okay. So play. And he goes, it sounds great. What do you want me to say? I said, well, obviously, there's going to be a difference between somebody that you just hired and what I just did. And he just said, oh, that's easy. He goes, you know, you sound like you're working a little bit. And the person we just hired didn't sound like they were working. All right. This is valuable information for me (laughs) because you don't really get that when you just write a panelist and go, what'd you hear? They go, well, you missed this note and that was out of tune or whatever. Right. They're not going to really get into uh, number 10 sounded like comfortable and number you were number 11 and you didn't sound comfortable. Like you're not going to get that kind of feedback. You're going to get the feedback that they think that you want, which is um, you missed 17 notes in Mahler 5. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, that's what you're going to get from a, but you already knew they're just going, yeah, it's like, I already know what I'm doing, you know? So, and see, that was the confusing part to me was I was showing up taking auditions going, I'm not really missing anything. How come I'm not advancing? And so that started a long relationship with, with Andrew and, and it turned into other things for me of going, um, I need a coach. These aren't lessons. I don't go play for people. I'm like, I'm taking a lesson. You know, it's a coach. So I look at it in terms of, of Tom Brady, let's say, and go, this guy is at the top of his game. But you know what? He's got a quarterback coach. He's got a head coach. There's probably some sort of offensive line coach that he has. He's got a nutritionalist. He's got a chef. He's got, like, they're, like, yes, he's putting out the product. But he's got a team of people surrounded by him that are, that are micro sort of managing what's going on with him so that he can go out and put out the best possible product. So I try to look at that and take my ego out of that situation and go, okay, what can I get coached in a way from a variety of people so that when I go take an audition, and it's not just about the audition, by the way, it's also just about like general trumpet playing, you know, playing for people and recognizing like, oh, you know, years ago there there were some gaps in my playing, you know, um, playing for a bunch of people and understand like, uh, finding common threads of what they were talking about, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what's going on here. Great. So I've taken that approach over the last 
I think it's been about seven years since I started playing for some people and just realizing like um, sort of crowdsourcing this in a way or um, having coaches. Right. You know, I, I have I have a number of coaches that I record and play for. Uh, if I can if I can play live for them, then I play live for them. Otherwise, you know, putting together rounds and sending things off to people, um, and that's been invaluable. You know, to to sort of just go look. I'm not sure that I'm going to figure this out completely on my own. So for me, it doesn't bother me to play for people, even you know, as a professional. I think uh, there was a recording um, or an interview that Jim Wilt gave, and he talked about when he was in the New York Philharmonic, he would go and play for somebody in town there, you know. And I thought, yeah, other people are doing it too. Years yeah. ago, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, understanding that, like, man, this guy's like playing in the New York Philharmonic, and he's still going and playing for people, um, sort of trying to sort out some other things in his playing, and so. I'm open to those experiences. I'm open to playing for somebody. By the way, playing for somebody that, like, I respect, right? Like, Whose ears you I trust, that, yeah. Um, I trust their ears. Um, and also playing for people that I feel like my playing aligns a bit with their playing, um, you know, in terms of, like, sound concept. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's one of the things that has been built into my preparation um, is uh, – playing for other professionals um, and, and sort of using that as, as coaching, you know, like I said before, nobody at a professional level, we should all understand like how to play uh, the opening to pictures at an exhibition. Right. Yeah. It's not a lesson. <laughs> it's not, a, we're not, I'm not going to get a lesson, you know, um, it is, okay, what's, what, what little tiny thing can I do here? You know, or what, whatever the comment may be, like do it this way, just one little tiny thing. You know, and you're like, right, I probably wouldn't have heard that on my own. Sure. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So. At this point, I actually thought the conversation was over. But as we were saying our parting words, Chris asked me who my target audience was for this. I told him I was hoping students and younger people just starting to audition would get a lot from this series. And he proceeded to speak to the students, wanting to give them some advice. For the students that are that are kind of listening, you know, Obviously, all the right notes have to be in the right place. Just because you're comfortable, <laughs> maybe you're comfortable missing notes. You know, that's not going to work, right? Um, maybe you're comfortable with a bad sound or whatever. It's like that, you know, that those things are not going to work. And we need, we as trumpet players, you know, have to be open to extra help. Understanding like if something's not working, go get help, you know, Go find people that will be honest with you, even potentially brutally honest with you. Um, but I think that Andy Balio once said to me, if you don't win a gig when you're in your 20s, it becomes a war of attrition. And um, most people will bail because they run out of money. <laughs> you know, that, that if they can't win a gig, how are they supposed to, you know, try? I, I basically budget nearly $1,000 for every audition. I can't really remember the last time I drove to an audition. So flights, hotels, maybe playing for, you know, a couple of people, um, food, you know, all of that is like, you to budget at least a thousand dollars for an right. audition. Yeah. If you are 25 years old or 28 years old, do not have a playing gig that becomes exponentially more difficult. And that's where that war of attrition comes in, which is if you can stick with it, if you have a goal in mind, and, and by the way, being very clear about those goals, you know, um, I think all too often people are like, well, I want, I just want a gig playing in any orchestra, you know. Well, some people really shouldn't be taking principal trumpet auditions. And I mean that, I don't mean any disrespect, but like some people, like if you don't have the chops to play high Ds and E flats and whatever, you're not setting yourself up for success. Right. Is that, right. You know, it's like some people really should be doing other things on on the trumpet. You know, it's like not everybody has to be a principal player. Not everybody has to. You know, if you're like, well, uh, you know, I really am a principal player. Why am I taking the second trumpet audition? You know, that also is like not setting somebody up for success. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, um, if you're like, actually, I'm a powerful trumpet player and you're not getting out of the first or second round in, in second and third trumpet auditions, it's like understanding, like, you're probably just in the wrong place. 
nonetheless, getting back to that point of attrition that like, you know, I think that having very strong, clear intentions on the trumpet is, is a great way to sort of like sustain for a very long period of time. That said, if somebody is out there, they don't have a gig, winning an audition gets way harder because if you're not playing with people or you're not playing for people and you're just going out and taking auditions, uh, I mean, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, but those of us that have been doing it for a while and have the financial backstop of either a playing gig or something else, you know, um, it's a little easier, right? It doesn't seem like it, but it is a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, like, like Andy said, it's a war of attrition. And if you can like um, sustain yourself, both artistically and financially, generally speaking, you'll figure it out. You know, playing the trumpet's not that difficult. <laughs> you know, we tend to get in our own ways. Um, but, like, it's not, it's not that difficult to do this. Um, and I think that if people are willing to, like, put in the hard work of playing for other people, you know, put in the hard work of recording yourself. And, and I mean, the hardest work is, is finding, you know, the ability to go take the audition. Um, and deal with the rejection and deal with all of those, you know, sort of like soul crushing, <laughs> crippling, yeah, uh, absolutely. Know, no's, thank you next, you know, whatever. Um, and if you can kind of, if we collectively can figure that out long term, most of us that play the trumpet well enough will eventually sort out a gig, you know. Yeah. Um, it's the issue of not only do you have what it takes, but understanding that, well, sometimes it is just being in the right place at the right time, you know. So yeah. how, do you, how do we sustain ourselves very, very, potentially very, very long term, you know. Um, the San Diego audition, uh, winning that audition was uh, unbeknownst to me, you know. I, I didn't set out to go, you know what, this is going to be an 11-year project. But it was almost 11 years to the day from when I won the Montreal Symphony audition. Wow. Um, that is not something that I thought was going to happen. 11 years is a very long time, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, and coming close and hearing the word no. And, you know, a number of times, you know, it's like, it's depressing. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable, <laughs> you know? Um, and when I think about it now, it's still stunning to me to think like, I've been, I've been trying to sort this out for 11 years. You know, and, and, and in the meantime, I've gotten better, you know, yeah, yeah. Like I've gotten, I'm, I'm a better trumpet player now than what I was 11 years ago, you know, and you know what, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, uh, ideally we get better. And to me, there's no better way than to take auditions than to sort of like force getting better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I agree. You, I agree. Taking an audition, you are going to become a better trumpet player because you're focused on what you're doing. Um, so I, I think that like, uh, being able to have long-term goals, uh, that hopefully become short-term goals, <laughs> you know, hopefully at some point in time, it's like, yeah, I won the gig, I'm done, you know, whatever. Um, but understanding that there are people out there that, and I consider myself one of them that this took longer than what I thought it was going to take, but you know what? It's okay. I'm a better trumpet player. I'm a better musician. And, um, I think we spoke earlier, but, uh, you know, I'm a better person because of all of those experiences, you know. So you so, wouldn't, you wouldn't um, wish just, anything different. Yeah, it's just this is the way it turned out. Well, yeah. I, I mean, do I wish that I had won, uh, you know, uh, a principal trumpet job, which was a professional goal of mine for a long time? Do I wish that I had won, you know, San Diego 11 years ago? Sure. <laughs> you know, that would have made life, like, a lot easier in some respects. But at the same time, hopefully – since I've spent 11 years, you know, sort of sorting a number of things out. And I, and I don't even include, like, the eight years that I was in the Marine Band. Um, most of those years that I was in the Marine Band, I wasn't even thinking about taking an orchestra audition. So, I mean, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation, you know. Yeah. But um, I am a better trumpet player now and a better person now, 20 years after I won. Um, by the way, we're almost exactly 20 years after winning, uh, or excuse me, 19 years after winning my first gig with the Marine Band. You know, I'm a better trumpet player in person and musician now than what I was 19 years ago. And, and really like 11 years ago when I really started taking a number of auditions. So, 
hopefully through um, all of our failures, <laughs> quote unquote failures, that they aren't failures. They're lessons. I mean, what's the saying? If you don't win, you learn. Right. Right. So, you know, hopefully we're all taking the point of view that we're learning all the time and improving all the time. To me, that's just really inspiring stuff. The audition circuit can be a brutal and depressing place. And Chris is right. Most of us wouldn't write our stories the way they ended up happening. But it's amazing for him to be able to say that he's a better player, a better musician, and a better person for going through what he went through. It's just a really great perspective. I told him I thought it was cool for him to be able to feel like after all the hardship, it was still worth it. I thought that was going to be a nice thing to say to end the phone call, but yet again, he had even more advice and wisdom to give. Understanding exactly what is happening with your playing is paramount. Um, I don't want to give anybody the, the wrong impression here that like, well, if you just sort of like stick with this, it will happen. I mean, I did say that, right? But I say that with the understanding that like we're talking about a player who is a pretty good player already. If somebody's struggling and like playing the trumpet really is a struggle, that it's not just about like going in an audition and going like, I get nervous. Well, you know what? There are all kinds of things that we can do um, to, to sort of like, you know, whether it's meditation or, or, you know, whatever to like get ourselves out of our own way. You know, um, I, I, that comment about like, it's a war of attrition. Somebody will eventually figure it out. That assumes that that person is working hard, that that person already is a pretty decent trumpet player, that maybe they have a few gaps in their playing or whatever. But I just would like to say, though, that, like, um, I do hear a number of players who think that they're great and they're not, you know, that either they have teachers who don't know, you know, have, have lied to them, essentially, um, you know, whatever. I would just, my point being that we all have a comfort level of what we're willing to tolerate. And I don't begrudge anybody who says, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I need to go make money in life. I need to support a family. I need to w move on, whatever. You know, that is perfectly fine. You know, I, I don't think ill of anybody who would say, you know what, I've had enough. This is too difficult because it is. It is too difficult. <laughs> you know, it is extremely difficult, as you know, and as any, anybody else who may be listening that has won a job, that um, every single audition is like starting over. You know, it's not, a, it's not a continuum. We don't, like, well, I won this audition, so then I'll just go win the next one and the next one and the next one. Right. You know, like, that's not how it works. It is literally a snapshot in time. And if you're having a bad day or you, you know, the flight got in late or, you know, whatever, any number of things that can throw us kind of like a little bit off and somebody else is having a good day. Well, okay, this, then it's not your day, but it's exceedingly difficult to win an audition and understanding that like, this isn't for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be encouraging to anybody who's listening, you know, and say, hey, man, it took me 11 years. That's a really long time. But I don't recommend that to people. That would be highly irresponsible <laughs> to say, you know what, if you just stick with it, you're a bad trumpet player. But if you just stick with it for 11 years, you'll, you'll win a principal trumpet job in San Diego Symphony. It's like, that's not what I'm trying to say. You know, um, I, there are a number of trumpet players out there who I've seen in the final rounds um, at recent auditions, and that's who I'm talking to, that, like, people that have it basically figured out that if they f are able to stick with it, they'll sort it out. Is it worth it? I don't know. You know, I mean, somebody could be taking auditions for 11 years and, and win a, you know, win a spot in a, in a job that is barely full time, you know, and go, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I don't know that that's worth it. But I can't answer those questions for other people. You know? right, right. For me, I can, I can say, uh, yes, it was worth it. You know? um, but I'm also, um, you know, ha have one other, you know, I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a different position than a student, you know, and professionally speaking, you know. Um, uh, so, 
you know, understanding that like we all have to be completely honest with ourselves about where it is that we're at in our trumpet playing, what the, what the realistic expectations are, what we're actually able to do under pressure. Like those are things that we all have to be completely honest with. I think we were talking before, I've heard many fine players in warm-up rooms next to me, and I've gone out and played what I thought was, it's an okay round, and none of those people advanced. So there is definitely a disconnect between, you know, some people and their, their ability on the trumpet and their ability to showcase that under pressure, or I should say under, under perceived pressure, right? Um, an evaluation shouldn't be a pressure-filled situation, you know, and that's probably something for another discussion anyways, but understanding that an audition is not, it's not pressure. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's perceived you know, pressure. It's just, you're just, yeah, you're just showing up and, and doing what you do. So if somebody is, like, not that great of a trumpet player, they need to get real. You know, if you're a great trumpet player and you're not advancing, there's another way that you need to get real, which is, okay, this isn't happening mentally, you know, or whatever. So I would just encourage the people that are listening to this that have goals, you know, professional goals of, of either orchestral playing or, you know, any other types of trumpet playing is to also be realistic and to uh, seek out as much help as you possibly can get. Um, I don't know anybody who's done this on their own. I consider my successes, uh, not just with San Diego, but with other orchestras, to be a team effort. And even though everybody that I consider to be on my team writes me and they go, you did all the work, I still feel strongly that this this was a team effort um, that helped me to not only take an audition well, but just help me to play the trumpet better. Um, and uh, I don't listen to their texts back to me saying, no, it was for you. It wasn't for me. It was a team effort. So, um, and understanding if I were to decide to take another audition, the same thing's going to happen. Right. Because it's not, they aren't built one upon the other. <laughs> you know, it's, literally just starting over. If I'm being honest, I wasn't sure if I was going to include that last part. Ending on the part that says, it's really hard, but I'm much better off now than I was 20 years ago, is a pretty nice and uplifting place to end it. That ending is real, and it's beautiful. But this ending is raw, and I think it's necessary to hear. We should all be willing to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, am I cut out for this? How badly do I really want this? Am I willing to put in the work necessary in any pursuit we choose to take in life? Nothing but hard work and some failure will get us to success. I think that's going to be all for this episode. Since I've recorded this interview with Chris, I've spoken to him quite a few times about a number of topics, and we always seem to have a really great conversation. I kind of thought an episode where I put out a call for questions from my listeners and then getting together with him and discussing those questions would make a really informative and entertaining episode. If you are into that idea, send me a message and let me know. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search at That's Not Spit. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast or other episodes, please consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes or whichever platform you use. It's really helpful for the others who may want to find the podcast for themselves. I would like to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode. And most of all, I would like to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. <laughs>